0: How on earth did that
2: happen? Hello everyone. Welcome back to another live edition of Wonder Goal, the soccer betting show from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. I will be your host, your guide, your muse uh, for the show. We're gonna go over every quarterfinal match of the World Cup with Anthony Debundo, BJ Cunningham, my stunning co-hosts. But before I bring those two gentlemen in, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented to you by our friends at Bet365. The world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet one dollar on any game, get two hundred free. All right, BJ Anthony. Before we get into the matches, I want to just do a quick overview of the odds. The outright odds to win the World Cup, Brazil. They are still your favorite. They were your pre-tournament favorite. They're still there at the top of the board, plus one seventy-five. A clear favorite. France second on the board at plus four hundred. England, Argentina, and Portugal are all 6 to 1. The Netherlands, 14 to 1. Morocco, 28 to 1. And Croatia, 33 to 1. And with that out of the way, let's talk about these matches. We'll start with our favorite bets for the upcoming quarterfinals. They're taking place on Friday and Saturday.
1: BJ, start us off. Well, it should be no surprise what my favorite bet is. It's England to advance at plus 120. I think it's crazy that they're an underdog to France. Yes, France has Kylian Mbappe, and he's been the best player in this entire tournament. He's going to win golden boot. But I think you could say that England has more talent throughout their starting 11. They definitely have a better striker. They definitely have better midfielders. They definitely have better defenders and they have a better goalkeeper. So what's the reason why France is a favorite? It's Kylian Mbappe, who they've been incredibly reliant on and what they've done a great job against some of the, let's be honest, they haven't played that great of a schedule coming up outside of the match against Denmark. They've done a great job of creating overloads on the left side of the pitch and it's freed up Mbappe He's been able to get behind defenders, create a lot of chances, get the ball in the middle of the box, and then also finish off some chances himself. But he's now going up against one of the best defensive right backs in the world in Kyle Walker, somebody who can match his type of pace and cover ground with the best of them. In England, what they did such a good job of against Senegal is they pressed high. And it just shows their versatility in their tactics. They're not just this slow, pragmatic handbrake style team. No, they had a pass per defensive action of 6.7. They forced seven high turnovers. And really the difference is they brought on Jordan Henderson because Jude Bellingham has been so good in terms of ball progression and getting the ball up to the front three that they don't need to put Mason Mount on the pitch. They can put Jude Bellingham and then another defensive type midfielder like Jordan Henderson, who is a good pressing midfielder, although he is in his thirties. And it caused a lot of problems for Senegal. The same can be said for this type of match where France, Listen, we haven't seen them play a type of team that's going to possess the ball. We saw it, obviously, in the Euros when they played both Germany and Portugal. They sat very, very deep. They didn't press at all. And then they just sent Mbappe and Benzema out on the counter. And I think they're going to do something similar here. But if you go through France's results since the 2018 World Cup in real competitions, where's the impressive result outside of the match against Denmark? Because they got beat on expected goals, both against Portugal and against Germany at the Euros. And then they got knocked out of the round of 16 by Switzerland. So really, we're just saying, okay, France has played one good match against a good team, and now suddenly they're the second best team in the world. I don't think so. If England can neutralize Mbappe, they're going to win this match. And if they can press effectively, keep France in their own final third, I think England's going through. So I love England to advance at plus one twenty. I do project them as a pretty good favorite to get through here. Okay, we'll
2: talk more about that match and all the matches in a little bit. Uh, my favorite bet, though, I like Netherlands on the three-way money line. Uh, they're plus two fifty-five against Argentina. There's more a bet against Argentina than one on the Dutch, who I do think are a little undervalued across all markets. Like if there was one team I would back to to win the World Cup right now, if you if you, all your tickets are dead, like the three of us, I would pick the Netherlands because, yeah, their path is hard. But the other way you can look at it is the path is what is causing their number to stay where it basically was or higher at some sports books than it was before the tournament started. So I think the Dutch are a good buy opportunity in the futures market. And I think they're a good buy opportunity against Argentina, who they have not really gotten going yet like they they needed to work really hard to beat Australia they were kind of in cruise control there they were up two 0 and all of a sudden Australia gets one back and they almost score again to send that game to extra time now this Argentina team has shown they can't really get separation against anybody the Mexico game notwithstanding that was more of you know two brilliant plays one by Messi and one from Enzo uh, Fernandez like what have they done? What have they done to to prove that they're worth this kind of number against a really good Dutch side who, yeah, they were uneven in the group stage, but then they were brilliant against the, uh, the Americans. We were all kind of wrong about that one. Not kind of wrong. We were very wrong. Louis Van Gaal's system worked flawlessly. They were able to sit back counter quickly. Memphis and Denzel Dumfries look great. This is a, a really dangerous team and one that should punch up well because they have a good center back pairing. They've got a, a great central midfielder in Frankie de Jong. And they have clinical finishers. So they might not create, you know, Argentina might outcreate them two to one here, but the chances that the Netherlands do create, they should be able to find the back of the net with. So I think that this Dutch team is really dangerous here. And I think a lot of people are kind of betting into the narrative that, you know, I don't want to say goodbye to Lionel Messi at the World Cup. So that that should keep the number pretty suppressed here. And I like going against that narrative, wearing the black hat with the Dutch. Anthony, what about you? Your favorite bet?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go back to England and France. Mentioned the BJ Cunningham uh, battle, you know, the, the Waterloo battle there. It's a huge rivalry of course, but I like both teams to score. Yes. Uh, minus minus one fifteen. I think that the fact that this match is so competitive actually helps the both teams to score here. You would say, Oh, it's going to be played as a stalemate. Both teams generally have managers who look to be pretty conservative, but I agree with BJ that both teams have taken a little bit more of an aggressive tone in this tournament. Yes. France still doesn't press. They still, you know, wait for you to turn the ball over and then look to hit in transition. That's how they live. But they have sent more numbers forward at this tournament. Teo Hernandez overlapping on the left with Mbappe, Adrian Rabio getting into the penalty area more, Antoine Griezmann in the form of his life. BJ mentioned England's defense against Senegal and how they pressed high and they were successful. If they try that again, Senegal doesn't really have the creator, the playmaking midfielder, or the player that can beat you over the top or the outlet that Mbappe is. That, Sadio Mane would have been that guy, but he wasn't there and Senegal was still able to find some success in those in those moments early in that match easily could have gone up a goal i uh, thought they should have had a penalty i think england runs a risk of overcommitting a bit here and and potentially conceding to mbappe to griezmann because of it and i do think france will find some success only because there's very few teams in the world that can stop transition from France. I mean, it's not like, yes, like, you know, Mbappe is coming. Yes, Kyle Walker is very good, but it's still the best player in the world in killing Mbappe. And I do think it'll be difficult for England to stop them. With that being said, France not applying any ball pressure at all. It was a big red flag against Poland. I thought Poland did a really good job of getting the ball into wide areas, getting in crosses fairly comfortably, and putting a lot of pressure on this French defense easily should have scored as well, created over one non-penalty expected goal in that match. Uh, Even if you take out the penalty, there were chances to score for the the polls. And and that's a much worse attacking side. I mean, an attacking team that did not look like they could create against anybody. And so, you know, France's defense is still vulnerable, I think, and their defensive midfield, like Chuomeni, is excellent. But I still think there are question marks about this defense that England can get at with Bellingham getting forward more and Kane being one of the greatest, you know, dropping deep, especially. I think Harry Kane kind of finding those pockets of space because nobody's pressing the ball heavily coming short, playing players in. I think Kane is the biggest cog for this British, for this English attack in this game. So I like both teams to score. I think it's a little bit cheap given how competitive this match is line because people are expecting, you know, like a one, nil park the bus play defensive type approach. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I'm playing against that narrative. I like both teams to score.
2: Okay. Now let's move on to the uh, match previews themselves. We'll start 10 a.m. Eastern time, Friday morning, Croatia, but first we got to pour one out for our friends in Japan. At the hands of Croatia, that was tough to swallow. Man. Yeah. Okay. With that over, Croatia's eight to one against Brazil, minus two seventy-five. The draw is plus three seventy-five. The two advanced line Croatia's plus four hundred. Brazil minus six hundred. Of course, these odds are provided from our friends at Bet 365. BJ, this one looks pretty straightforward. And I think at the risk of getting caught up in the is Croatia tired yet narrative? I think Croatia has got to be tired.
1: Yeah. I, I don't like to use feelings when we're talking about this type of analysis. I think that's kind of a, a wrong way to approach it. But with that being said, this does feel kind of like the end of the road for Croatia, right? Like they have played basically the same starting 11 throughout this entire tournament. Their midfield has to be so incredibly gassed, playing an up and down time match with Japan. And listen, we've had two matches here again for Croatia where they've played a team similar to what Brazil is going to do in terms of ball possession and progressing it up the pitch. It's against both Spain and England at the Euros. Like England held them to basically nothing and then they played a chaotic 4-3 match against Spain. But I think it has more to do with Spain's uh, ability out of possession than it does with um, the fact that they're possessing the ball. But with that being said, I mean, Brazil, I would say, has been the most impressive team in this tournament, right? Nine and a half expected goals for, one and a half against... And the thing is, who are the two teams that have scored against Brazil? It's South Korea and it's Cameroon, both quick strike counterattacking type teams. Croatia is not that. They're very slow progression, intricate, try to get the ball forward at wide areas, middle of the pitch, similar to what Switzerland and Serbia try to do. And Switzerland and Serbia had the same exact problems against Brazil. So this is a Brazilian defense that has not allowed a team to create over one expected goal since October 11th of 2021 against Colombia. And Croatia, let's be honest, outside of the match against Canada, they haven't been finishing well. They have one goal off of 2.2 expected. We knew that coming into the tournament, and it seems to have been true so far. So I'm going to go both teams to score no. Uh, it's currently a minus 140. I think this is probably a Brazil route, and I really just don't I don't know how Croatia is going to create more than half an expected goal because nobody's been able to do it yet in this tournament against Brazil.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to play into the route a little bit as well. I'm a little disappointed that brazil decided to run riot over south korea because it probably made this number a little worse than it would have been if if they had just made it a little little less uh exciting in their victory i like the over two and a half team total for brazil it's like plus 175 plus 180 depending on where you're looking and the reason i like it is because at some point you expect brazil to get on the board and croatia will have to open up a little bit and go for it and they just don't play well in transition japan had chances belgium ripped them apart i think it's 2.8 2.8 close to three expected goals allowed in their last two matches. They've only given up one goal. I mean, if Romelu Lukaku has his finishing boots on this, we're not even talking about this team being in the knockout stage. So this defense has looked very leaky, very vulnerable. Uh, they They're just not going to be able to keep up with the speed. I think Vinicius Jr., once again, is another good look for an anytime goal scorer. I know Anthony and I hit on that in our last match, but he should have a ton of success. Richarlison should have a lot of success. Like there's just way too much going forward for Brazil, for Croatia to keep them quiet. So I'll look at the team total here. I I also think like a live team total could be worth it if if Croatia like gets through the first 20 minutes or so without conceding. So I like Brazil just to, to fill the net here. Anthony, what about you?
3: Yeah, I somewhat agree. I think Croatia has some problems defending Brazil's wingers in the wide areas. I think that's going to be a major issue for them. Uh, Their fullbacks have not really been tested by dynamic attacking wingers to this point in the tournament. Everything's kind of been down the middle and you look at like a team like Belgium that did create a lot of chances against them. Almost all of that came from Belgium's, you know, middle of the park players, not exactly like wide players, beating guys one-on-one, getting to the byline, cutting it back. And the one chance we did see was when Croatia got opened up and then Lukaku missed the, the sitter. So... I think that there's vulnerability in the Croatian fullbacks here. I think that's going to be a major problem. I think Croatia can find some success in transition though. Like anytime we've seen Croatia look at its best going forward, it's been in those transitionary moments after winning the ball, Modric or Brozovic plays that one ball that kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, gives space to Perisic or potentially Levaya in transition. Like they have an ability to get at this Brazilian defense, like BJ mentioned how dominant Brazil's defense has been. And it is true, but I think you saw a little bit of crack in kind of the, after Korea did start to send numbers forward, after it was two nil Korea created three or four decent Good scoring opportunities uh, that required Allison to kind of be heroic. So I think if, if there's an early goal in this match, I love the over. I'm going to take the over three at plus money instead of the over two and a half at minus one twenty five one thirty because I do see a world where Brazil is able to run it up here and get to you know three one or four one as opposed to if this game does stay you know sitting zero zero for a while, maybe Croatia can hold out longer than we thought. You don't get as you know game state is so important in these situations, but. Like BJ said, Brazil's attack has been dominant. My biggest question mark was coming into the tournament for Brazil. Did they have like a true number nine finisher? Because I was, you know, we have, we've seen up and down play from Richarlison, but seeing the Richarlison we've seen in this tournament, it's hard to bet against Brazil at this point.
2: The 2 p.m. kickoff on Friday is Netherlands. Clockwork Orange, they're plus 260 on the three-way line. Argentina plus 120 favorites. The draws to advance. The Netherlands plus 130, Argentina minus 160. BJ, we'll go right back to you here. How are you attacking this match from a betting perspective?
1: Yeah, I like the Dutch to advance. I agree with you, Michael, that what the Dutch did so good against the Americans is like you mentioned, the quick strike counterattacking. But they also attacked the flanks. And that's something Louis van Hall said after the match. He said, "We coming into the match, we knew they were weakest on their flanks. We weren't going to try to go through the middle of the pitch because that's where obviously, the United States was at their strongest. And they just never, the United States just never adjusted to it. All three goals came off of crosses and they can do the exact same thing here to Argentina, who was really, really not impressive at all against Australia. Let's be honest. They scored two goals of a very low quality, uh, low quality attempts. And if you look at the rolling XG chart of that match, you'll see, you know, the final says, okay, Argentina, 1.6 to Australia, 0.6. So two, one, probably a deserving result. Well, Argentina only had created 0.4 expected goals up until the 85th minute. And then the match opened up and they actually had some, you know, high quality chances there towards the end. So they basically did nothing for the full 85 minutes. And that's something similar, like you mentioned, Michael, that happened against Mexico. Now they have to face a Dutch team that did really, really good out of possession against the Americans. They were perfectly fine, not pressing, closing off the middle of the pitch which Argentina, again, it happened again. Lionel Messi has to come receive the ball way too far away from the goal because nobody in the middle of the pitch is coming to receive it, so they have to play the ball out wide, and then it's like, okay, we have to beat them with crosses. The Netherlands is a perfect opportunity here for them to counterattack them. They have a great midfield, something Argentina hasn't seen so far in this World Cup, so I really like the Dutch to advance here. I think the price is way too high here on Argentina, so I like the Dutch to advance at plus 130.
2: Yeah, I already gave my thoughts on this game at the top, so I'll make it real quick. But one other thing I just want to add is, is Louis Van Al, like he's he's a really good manager. He will set this team up, yeah, you know, not in the same way. He's, he he will. They're a very adaptable team. They're very versatile, and and he will set them up, you know, based on their opponents. So I think that you you'll see them, you know, like you said, Bj, attack the vulnerabilities of Argentina rather than just stick to a plan A here. So the Dutch were impressive against the United States. Like I said, I think. Worth a bet on the three way line to advance or a sprinkle to win the whole thing, depending on how you want to play this thing. Anthony, three for three on Clockwork
3: Orange. Yeah, I actually liked what I saw with the Dutch out of possession against the United States. You know, they did concede a couple of chances, the early chance to pull a sick, uh, the, the ream situation. But I thought overall they did a very good job of forcing the U.S. to try to go out wide and then cross it in. And it's going to be very hard to beat the Dutch in the air on these crosses with their back line being as good as it is in the air with Van Dyke and Timber, especially. Uh, and I think the fullbacks are the biggest key in the wingbacks. You know, I wrote my preview when, when we talked about the United States against the Dutch that, well, you know, the Dutch in theory have a huge advantage in the midfield, but with Dumfries playing have a huge advantage on the, in the wide areas, but with Dumfries playing as bad as he was, that, that would potentially not be an issue. Uh, Dumfries came into this world cup with an injury and kind of played through it. It seems like he played really poorly. The first two matches against uh, Senegal and against Ecuador, but the last two now he's turned in, you know, excellent performances. You, you can kind of shrug off the one against Qatar because it's Qatar, but when he played against the United States, two assists, getting forward a ton, getting his feet in the penalty area, being the outlet that he needed to be. And then of course, blinds passing ability leads to the third goal, his cross across the box to Doomfries. I don't think Doomfries and Blin will get that kind of space in this match. Argentina is better defensively. Uh, they're better at stopping transitions in the United States, but I think it's still an area where the, the, the Dutch can attack and Memphis being healthy and fit. I mean, Memphis was not fit for the first two matches either. He came off the bench and, and the Dutch attack did look better against Senegal in the last
0: half hour once Memphis was on the pitch than it did the first hour when he wasn't. So I think pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com bluewire. That's harrys.com bluewire for a $3 trial set. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
3: Memphis being fit and able to start makes a huge difference for this Dutch team, too. I think it's another good both teams to score look. I'm taking the Dutch plus a half, minus 135. I'm also going to probably sprinkle some both teams to score maybe an over as well. I do think there'll be goals in this match. It's a rematch of the 2014 semifinal, which is one of the worst, most boring soccer matches I've ever seen. Both these teams have come a long way in eight years, uh, and it actually favors some goals in this one. The Argentinian defense has been excellent in this tournament, but they haven't really been tested. I mean, who have they played? Uh, You know, Australia, one of the worst attacks. Mexico, we saw how bad they were this, this tournament going forward. Poland offered almost nothing in the group stage. Uh, and you know, so there are. I, I still, I still wonder about the Argentinian defense, uh, and given how aggressive they are, does that create space for Blin to get a pass in behind once or twice to create a chance?
2: Hey, you've come a long way in eight years as well, mm-hmm. Anthony. Here, to your, to your first World Cup ever. Saturday, 10 a.m. kickoff. Morocco and Portugal. Morocco, the story of the tournament so far, plus 450. Portugal minus 143 on the three-way line. Uh, the draw is plus 250 to advance. The Atlas Lions of Morocco plus two forty, Portugal minus three hundred. There's a lot to unpack here because I think you look at these four matches, and there's one where there's a stylistic, you know, styles make fights kind of matchup, and it's this one, right? Like we've we've seen Morocco play out the script already a couple of times in this tournament. They do it very well. They're going to cede possession to Portugal. They're going to sit back and they're going to wait, and they're just going to make life hell on the Portuguese attack. They're going to let Amrabat put as many people as he wants in his pocket and see if they can, you know, magic up a goal or get the game to extra time in a shootout and, and bet on themselves there. BJ, does not work again?
1: It could. Um, I'm definitely not going to be betting on Portugal, but I do like over two and a half goals, a plus 120. Listen, all credit to Morocco. That was an incredible defensive performance against Spain. They, Spain controlled 77% possession, completed 700 passes, and they held them in just one shot on target and 0.9 expected goals over 120 minutes. That is incredibly difficult to do. And what's what they did such a good job of is closing off those easy passes in between both the defensive and midfield lines. Against Costa Rica, Spain completed 166 passes between the lines in 90 minutes. They only did it 120 times in 120 minutes against Morocco. Now, here's another thing where I like to play this type of over because of game state okay portugal's finishing it at yes an unsustainable rate but a crazy rate right now and we had not seen morocco play from behind so if that first goal goes in and they can't just sit back defensively and the pitch opens up for portugal's attackers it's happened in every single portugal match so far the match just becomes crazy and there are just chances galore Every match has gone over except for the Uruguay match, but remember Uruguay hit the post three times in that match after Portugal scored first. So if Portugal scores early, I'm interested to see what Morocco is going to do. Now, Portugal's defense has not been that great. I mean, they've conceded over five expected goals so far and tactically again, you know, we've said it from the beginning, it looks like they don't know what they're doing, but they have great attacking players. Like they have, they're incredibly talented. They're probably a top five team in terms of talent in this world cup. So if they score first and the match opens up, that's really, really concerning for Morocco who, you know, they've only conceded one goal off of 3.3 expected. So they are a tad overdue to concede, but you, you know, they could put another crazy good defensive performance, but like Croatia, they basically played the same starting 11 for all four matches. They just played 120 minutes against Spain without the ball moving, having to move so much. So that concerns me. So I'm taking over two and a half goals, of plus one twenty. I do project about 2.6 goals for this match. So I think there is some value on the over. I just can't get past the fact that this line looks very similar
2: to what we saw against Spain and you know, right. the three-way line, a <laughs> which I, yeah, it's a little cheaper, but like, it's not that much. I think Portugal coming into the tournament, Portugal's odds were 16 ish. And Spain was around eight, eight to one. So the market already told us who the better team was and it, that tells you there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, Was it right? Was it wrong? I I would still think most of us would say Spain is the better team between these two, uh, Portugal and Spain. Uh, So I think there's still some value here on Morocco. I'm going to bet the three-way line, and it's because of what you were saying, BJ. The Portuguese defense, I just don't think that they're going to hold anybody in 90 minutes. I think that we're going to see Morocco have some success, and that leads to a more high-event game, which means that it's less likely to go to extra time. So I think at plus 450, there's reason to get involved on Morocco, who should be able to turn this thing into a coin flip with their defense, with the, the style they play. And, you know, they'll just need to get lucky. But if, if you're betting an underdog at this price, that's, that's what you're looking for. So I like, uh, I like Morocco here to continue their run. And I think that, that there's no way any of us would be betting Portugal at this number. Or am I wrong, Anthony?
3: I'll tell you what the strongest case you can make for Portugal is the decision, the, the personal decision that Fernando Santos made ahead of the round of 16 match that stunned a lot of people. I had Switzerland, and I was immediately fearful of my bet. Ronaldo out, Gonzalo Ramos in. Immediate improvement in the Portuguese attack. Not even close. Looked like watching two different teams. I think the game state definitely played a big role. I thought Swiss were a little over-pressing and over-committing early in that match and let it get away from them. But of course you go down one nil off of a banger and then you can see it off a set piece and like the match is kind of over unless you go for it. So that just opened up acres of space for this, for the Portuguese to, to hit them in transition, which they've always been an excellent transition team, but there are still question marks about how good are they when they're breaking down a good defensive low block team, which they have not faced really in this tournament. Uruguay would probably be the team. And if you watch the first half of that match, they didn't create anything. And then it was a fluke goal that ultimately led to Portugal getting uh, the win So they played a good defensive Swiss team, but again, like the game state threw that haywire immediately. And like the finishing is not going to continue. Portugal finished at an alarmingly high rate. They had two expected goals, five post-shot expected goals, scored six against the Swiss. Uh, You don't normally shoot that well. And so I think that created a little bit of an inflated perception on this Portuguese team. I thought we'd get Morocco plus one. I will bet Morocco plus one if it's minus 130, 125 or cheaper. Right now it's sitting at like minus 140. So hopefully, uh, you know, people... Go bet Portugal. Let's move this line up a little bit so I can get in on Morocco again. But yeah, I mean, the Moroccans did a stellar defensive job of preventing access to the wide areas. Jordi Alba was a non-factor as, as a progressive outlet. Uh, they were not able to progress the ball up the right either. So there was no, no way for Spain to get in behind because they don't really have runners uh, up the middle and behind either. Like that's not really Marat's game. It's not really Asensio's game. So that led to a very difficult situation. And We'll see what Santos does if he wants to start Ronaldo or not. Uh, Either way, I think Morocco's defense will show here. Uh, They have not trailed in this tournament. They've only conceded one big scoring chance, and it was against Croatia in the first match. They've also now held Croatia, Belgium, and Spain under one expected goal in in each in those three matches. So it's been a stellar defensive performance, and I see no reason to think that Portugal's just going to walk all over them. So I like under two and a half. I disagree with BJ here.
2: All right, let's uh, wrap it up with the headliner, which is... A 2 p.m. kickoff on Saturday between England and France, a rematch of the hundreds of Years' War, all the Napoleonic Wars. Basically, every war fought in Europe up until World War One. England plus 200, France plus 140 on the three-way line. The draw here is plus 225 to advance. England plus 110, France minus 138. BJ, I think this, these numbers look right. I, I disagree with you. I think France deserves to be the favorite here. Um, not by much. But I think we we, we overlook we, you're overlooking one thing that happened in that Senegal match, which was England were outplayed in the first thirty minutes, and they were lucky not to be down two nil. Uh,
1: so name about France against Poland.
2: Yeah, yeah, so you can you can say that, but you could you could also say like I think I would trust France to be able to come back from that hole more than more than an English team as well, right? Like if if France goes down one nil here, I think there's more paths to success for them. I agree. If England goes down one nil, it's going to be a problem um but i'll go back to you Add and any thoughts you had that maybe you left off at
1: the top of the show well to that point i would say england has proven throughout this world cup that when they've gone ahead they've been able to punish teams when they have space to operate and the same will happen against france because if france has to come out of their little block and they actually have to do something that they're not used to doing which is pressing trying to win the ball high it's going to be a disaster so I think England actually is set up very well when they're ahead to actually put two, three, maybe, maybe four goals on France. And let's just be honest, like throughout this starting 11, England has more talent. Yes. France has Mbappe, but in every other position, I would say England has just as much, or if not more talent and they have a better manager. Like Southgate is a much better manager than Deschamps. who just sets this team up the (laughs) exact same way who Anthony has been Ridiculing for years now, and now suddenly they're playing England, and oh my gosh, he's such a good manager. No, you two can sit and live on Narrative Street and pick up your copy of the Sun in the morning and read that (laughs) Gareth Southgate is too conservative. Oh my gosh, he's got the handbrake on. That's just been not been true at all in this entire tournament. This is an England team that went to the semi-finals of the last World Cup and lost in penalties of the finals of the last World. This is an outstanding tournament team with, if not the most attacking talent other than Brazil. So. I love England here. I mean, this is, they should not be underdogs. They're more talented. They have a better manager and they've looked more impressive in this tournament, honestly.
3: Uh, I think it's debatable. I, I think I think when you watched, like, yes, Poland had a couple of chances, but also so did France to take in a very early lead. Like the Giroud miss kind of sticks with me from that match. But I think the most interesting thing here, I agree with BJ, that like England are good front runners and so are France. Uh, and it does make the first goal of this game extremely important because if France does score first and they are able to sit, and letting one have the ball. And then Mbappe is just like waiting for the transition, waiting for the transition. Uh, I do wonder how Southgate will manage that because we have not seen them come from behind. I trust France much more uh, to come from behind because they've done it before, because yes, as, as good as England has been in tournaments, remember France did win the world cup uh, with multiple, you know, the, the same front three, yes, the midfield is different, but the same front three, same goalie, uh, some of the similar pieces from that team. So it's not like France is, uh, you know, newcomers to this world stage here. So I think, from a tactical point of view, it is fascinating to see how this game shifts once the first goal goes in, who scores it. France, we don't know what they look like pressing more, but like, could they be better? I don't know. Like, I think they could be a good team to, you know, force teams to play high and push up a little bit more. Like, we just don't see it that much because they don't have to do it. Uh, but that would be a really fascinating thing. Remember, they went down 1 0 to Switzerland. They turned up the Jets and like rolled Switzerland for about a half hour. And then the Swiss came back late in that knockout match last year. So like, it's not like France can't come from behind or turn on the jets or provide a ton of attacking punch. Uh, I just wonder how it's not just Mbappe, but Dembele on the other wing uh, against Luke Shaw. I think that could be a potential advantage for the French. So I I like the attacks in both teams here. Like I'm kind of in on both teams right now going forward. Uh, And that's why I like both teams to score. Uh,
2: Speaking of those attacks, uh, just a quick shout for should England win this match and, get Mbappe out of the golden boot race he still could win it obviously uh with five goals and two assists uh if even if he doesn't add to it i kind of like Rashford and Bakayo Saka as long it's shots in the in the golden boot race uh Rashford's 34 to 1 uh is the highest i saw and then Saka's 38 to 1 if Mbappe's out those guys are already on three goals they could have a pretty open match against portugal and then the final so you know it's a long shot for a reason but those would be my two golden boot picks if if we can get Mbappe out but BJ I just don't know if it's going to be a straight he'll be gone don't worry he will be <laughs> straight gone straight as we think
0: there,
3: there uh, is an argument for Ramos though now because they're going to play a quarterfinal which they're heavily favored they're going to play then if they win that a semifinal and then a third place game if Ramos has truly upstage Ronaldo uh, there is a path for Gonzalo Ramos who did not play the group stage he probably to uh, the steal the golden boot here he probably wasn't even although I mean no, Mbappe probably not. just scores a goal yeah
2: right I mean he's on for a reason here all right that will wrap up this episode of wonder goal for BJ Cunningham for Anthony Debundo I'm Michael Liebhoff. Thanks again to our sponsors, bet three, six, five, and remember to sign up with promo code action to get bet 365s exclusive signup offer in New Jersey and Colorado bet $1 on any game, get 200 free. We will see you guys on the other side of the quarterfinals where BJ will either be wearing a waistcoat or he might not show up. So we'll see. You'll know who won the match just by that. Uh, for les BJ, bleu. Best of luck with all your bets this weekend.